Lynn Stiegler, thank you for being on Behind the Fiction. This is exciting. I'm excited to be here. You and I talk fairly regularly, so this is sort of just a normal conversation for us, but we're bringing people into it, which is going to be kind of fun, and we're going to focus on what you have accomplished at LMBPN over the course of the last several years in building this machine for editing books. Um, Yes, it'll be three years May 1st. Really? Oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize there was an actual anniversary date. There is, yes. Are we doing something special, like sending you donuts or something? I think Michael has planned to give me five books that day. (laughs) Nearly as I can tell, that's how we celebrate around here. (laughs) Now, you do have, with Zoom sometimes, you're not doing it for this, but you have a habit of putting donut backgrounds up behind you. I do. I actually don't eat donuts. I don't like them very much, but that's always to torture Michael. Um, especially when he started not being able to go out. The first thing I put up was croissants because I knew he missed his <laughs> breakfast. Um, you know, and then, and then the uh, Krispy Kreme donuts, which we all know about if we, we watch his uh, Facebook posts. Yes. So. Well, that one got me the other day. I, I was really hungry when I saw the Krispy Kreme. <laughs> yeah, I love those Krispy Kreme donuts. So let's, let's take a step back in history. There was... There was a time when you had some extra time for reading and you started going through the, the books of the Cartharian Gambit. So kind of walk us through what that was about and how it, how it went and what you did when you reached a certain point with the books. Oh boy. Um, it was so long ago. I don't, I hardly remember when I had a time for reading. Uh, the, basically what happened was I came across Death Becomes, or I'm not really sure how, anymore. I thought it was BookBub, but I don't know now because I think it wasn't. But I had very bad bronchitis. I was sitting on my lazy boy couch for two days wrapped up in a blanket. And I read the first 16 books, which is all there were (laughs) at that time. And uh, I got done with them. And being an editor, I kind of edited them in my head. And found the guy on, uh, this guy Enderly on uh, uh, Facebook, and I shot him a message and I said, hey, I really, really like your books, and does your company need an editor? Because, um, you know, I, I was interested in getting in with, with, especially with the author notes and things and, and the people who, who were doing these. It was, and I was about ready to go back to work. I had retired. So, um, so it just seemed like a good place to be. So I got hold of him. We started talking. I had a background with Bain books because my husband is a Bain author and or was a Bain author. Now he's a, he's an LMBPN author. And, um, and so Michael wanted to hear stories about the old timey uh, sci-fi writers. And I had met a bunch of them at various times. And so we started talking. And then next thing I knew that was, we, we talked on April 29th, 30th kind of thing. And on May 1st, 2017, he said, I've got a book for you. <laughs> and that is so Michael. It's just, there's the way things, the way things go is so fast. And I, I remember hearing the story. I don't know if I heard it from you or from Michael, the whole story about you sitting down being sort of incapacitated for a couple of days and reading it and, and reading all of the books in, in two days, which just like totally blew my mind. <laughs> and then the fact that, that you had, you had come from a traditional publisher, you had editing skills with a traditional publisher 
and you were retired and you were crazy enough to think that you could do this kind of like part-time and how that yeah. work out for you. Yeah. Yeah. Part-time was not in the cards. Once, once we got going with this, it, uh, it, it scaled up to where, well, I think our highest month was 2 million words in a month, which is, um, gosh, what about 30 books? Yes. So. It's a lot. It's a, it's lot. a lot. And I remember the first time we got close to that thinking this is crazy. But when you first started, there were other editors in the company and, Authors had their favorite editors that they liked to work with, and you worked with Michael. Yes. And so we'd see these we we'd see these issues coming back from the books that you didn't do, and we didn't see those issues coming back with the books that you did do. So it's like you just sort of became the godmother of all editing, and so everybody kind of all of the other editors sort of started working through you, and then you started building your own team and that may have that was before actually the big pronouncement about the 400 books right oh yeah that was way before the pronouncement of the 400 books um i think what it is is that michael is about easy and so it it just was easy for him to go to one person when he wanted to talk about editing Mm -hmm. And then for whatever reason, the other editors started to phase out. They were doing other things. And at one point, I think I was pretty much doing all the editing for the company. It was I, doing yeah. about 20 books a month. And I just said, uh, guys, I was actually supposed to be <laughs> retired. And so Michael said something to the effect of, well, so go find some other editors. <laughs> and then you can run the team, can't you? And uh, uh, so, and then I did uh, with some help from Haley Lawson, one of our, another of our authors. Uh, she found me some people on Upwork and I found my sister from another mother, seven years and a few continents away, Judah Rain, who's mm -hmm. another terrific editor. And so now she and I pretty much run the editing for the company. So. But there are others. It's not just the two of you. There are others. And you guys are sort of jointly managing all of this and all of these words that get processed every month. We do. We are. And we do. And there are. Uh, and the others come and go, by the way. Um, so we find them in various ways. Uh, some of, one of them, there was going to be in the 20 books uh, last year, there was going to be an editing meetup. And I sort of read about it and I put out a post that said LMVPN is looking for a few good people and uh, met up with a couple of those people. And one of them has stuck with us. So, And one of the things that makes it a challenge for you in, in finding new editors is the pace, the pace with which your team works. Yes. Nobody is used to that. Uh, if you give a traditional editor, and by that I don't mean a, a trad pub editor, I mean an editor who isn't used to doing a book every single day of the week like we do, or more than one, uh, less than a month to do a book, they kind of pale and blanch and faint. Um, we say, can I have this back in a week? And what you have to understand is that for Judah and I, the turnaround is one day generally on a book, two days usually is the outside. So nobody's used to that. So honestly, I could only give away our books that we have a little bit longer lead time on. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's all Judah and me. So let, let's go back to that meeting in Las Vegas a couple of years ago. I don't remember. It was, I think it was in the fall of 2019. Is that right? 
or no, the fall of 2018. The, when, the one where I found Courtney, our, our current uh, adjunct editor, she, that was 19. Okay. Well, I'm talking about the meeting where, where Michael made the 400 books pronouncement. Oh, my God. No, that was 18. Okay. And that was, I remember being at that meeting going, okay, I guess uh, my mind was just spinning. And you're like, yep, I can do that. And, you know, I'll just start building a team. And uh, you, were, you were very like, <laughs> I'm going to do this. And you did it. You went out and did it. You were ready to do 400 books. We were. I had. I did. I built a team. I, I had two different editors at that point, and um, we t we knew what it would take to do it, and so we did. I mean, what else does one do? That's kind of my background. I'm strong German peasant girl, and and you get the work done. And you you also have a great operations background. So you you come from a business world. I don't know what came first, business or editing, or did they? I, I don't know. Oh, How I've been out? in business um, all my life. I, I've been an administrator. Well, I started as a legal secretary and then I went up to administration and uh, uh, finance. And then I became a programmer. My undergraduate degree is in computer science. And so um, then I became a database programmer. So all of my background and, and, and a, then a consultant, financial analyst, um, strategic analyst kind of thing. So all of my background is in making things work one way or another in the most efficient fashion. And you're really good at that. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I can, try. I can just say that. You're really, really good at that. And you're good at using to tell tools Michael's to make story it work better. Of, of, am I allowed to tell the story of when, when I said to Michael I could help run his schedule? Yes. yes. Can I say that word? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have to use a different word. <laughs> okay, I can do that. Um, so at one point, Michael was bemoaning that he had, he had missed a couple of deadlines. And he says, I really need an, somebody to, to help me sort out my schedule. And I said, well, I could do that. And he immediately shot back, oh, bleak, no. <laughs> <laughs> Substituting a very Bethany Ann-like word. Yes. And uh, we can all imagine what that is from, uh, from reading Michael's books for years yes. and years and years. So let's oh, talk about... No. <laughs> Let's talk about the process for, you know, without getting into the weeds, talk, well, talk more about the team that you've built, not in specific people, but in like functional aspects of the team. The functional aspects that, well, the two top players in the team, me and Judah, uh, have very different functions right now. I, I run getting the books into the hands of the adjunct editors and, um, uh, making sure that they're returned on time, making sure that I have time to do them if they're not, which has happened. I had one person dump three books back in my hands uh, two days before they were due and they got out. But anyway, we, the less said about those days, the better. But anyway, so, so I, get, uh, I know I'm going to get a book anywhere from a day to several months ahead of time. And boy, does it vary. Mm -hmm. and uh, then it gets integrated into our schedule. One of the things when Michael made that 400 book pronouncement is we used to turn books around in literally a week. Oh, I just said the word literally. That's Michael's favorite word to take out of books right now. Mm -hmm. um, and mine actually, but it was literally a week. We would get it from the author. We would edit it. It would go to the JIT team and it would publish a week later. That's unheard of in TradPub. Mm -hmm. And it was actually a fairly high quality product at that point. It wasn't your average indie book. But when he said that 400 books thing, I said, oh no, no, no. 
we have built a well-oiled machine here at LMBPN. And what will happen is that books will come in. If it's a new book, new author, new series, uh, or a series that has, has had a lot of suggestions made for it in the past, it will go to what we call our beta team, which are some of our JIT readers who are very, very good at, uh, at sorting out uh, story issues mm-hmm. for the author. They don't do any, any kind of um, uh, proofreading at that point. They're just sorting out story issues for the author. And depending on the severity of the issues that they send back to the author, the book either doesn't go back to the author or the author turns it around fairly quickly, goes back through beta one more time if there were issues. And then, oh, well, more times. Some books have come gone through four times. But then eventually it ends up in the hands of editing. And once it's in, we need two weeks from, from the beginning of the process of editing till it goes to publication, just because we have so many other books on the schedule and we mm-hmm. reserve the right to shuffle them around a little bit. Then we do our editing in our one to two, however many days it takes when the book actually is first up on the schedule. Then it goes to our just-in-time reader team, who is a fabulous team of people who have volunteered with the company actually actually many of them since before I got here three years ago. So that's a loyal team. And they know, uh, they go through the book, the final time, catch any oopses that Judah or I have left. Uh, and then, uh, then it goes to publication. Let me, uh, Jude, what Judah does is she actually runs the zoo universe. She has a team of people she calls her zookeepers. And so she, uh, she, they're, they are building a, a, a canon, a wiki for that universe, if you will. And so when we get someone who wants to write in that universe, their books go through her. And she says, yes, you can do that with the universe. No, you can't do that with the universe, uh, et cetera, kind of thing. Uh, she also does a number of other series as well on which she's very knowledgeable. So we tend to specialize in authors and series because you have to know the background of the series to effectively uh, edit it. You, 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 the character, you have to keep the continuity on the characters. So we both have our own series. Now, one would think in hearing you describe all of this, that you must be housebound. You can never leave because you're always chained to your desk doing editing work, but that's not really the case for you and your husband, Mark. No, we, um, well, last year we spent two months in Europe, which was delightful. Uh, it takes a little planning. It does. But uh, my normal day is, well, I'm a night owl. So I generally work opposite hours from pretty much, well, say you. Uh, <laughs> you and I tend to meet up about three in the morning when you get up and I'm kind of a couple hours from going to bed. So uh, we... I will get up, I will goof around for a couple of hours before we were all housebound. Uh, I, we would go out to lunch, have a very leisurely lunch. That's when I do the most of my reading for the day is during that lunch. So that's kind of getting me out of my office. My office consists of a, uh, a tan colored lazy boy love seat, which I occupy with a dog who then fights me for the pillow on which I put, put my trackball. Uh, but anyway, and then so once I come home, I with my my coffee in hand because we go to Starbucks drive-through, must be drive-through, can't get the one in the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Every day we have our routines here; we must follow them. <coughs> Excuse me. And then uh, I plop down on my sofa, read while I drink the first part of my coffee, and then it's on to work. So, uh, and then I'm pretty much uh, there 
Well, I've been known to goof around. I like backgammon, so. Uh, but then uh, when we were in Europe last year, I, we would get up and we would go to the Marche or if we were in France or the plaza or wherever we were, get a coffee and a croissant, take our walk, see some things, come back, work for a few hours and then have dinner and then go home and then I'd work for some more hours. So I didn't miss seeing anything by doing that. Uh, we had a delightful time. So. Yes, and I, I find it inspiring the way that you and Mark just go everywhere. And it's that it, <laughs> sort of, I and I know you plan because you're a planner, but you, you like last year after 20 books in Edinburgh, you, you've, you rented a castle somewhere. You you did a an Airbnb at a castle, I think. No, that was not last year. No, well, okay. We actually went down through Europe, through through England, saw a bunch of friends, including our own Nat Roberts, who I understand has been on this series. Yep, uh, and Roberts. Mickey Cocker, and mm -hmm. so um, uh, and then after that, we went over to Dublin for the WorldCon, and then from Dublin, we flew down to France and stayed in a medieval village in an Airbnb in a old medieval tower is what that okay. was. Okay. All right. So we had our own tower lookout where that we could go up on top of and look out over the medieval town while sipping our glass of wine in the evening. So. And didn't you and Mark for a period last year of a week or so rent a sailboat somewhere and just use that as an Airbnb? We have been in various boats. Uh, uh, Airbnbs, but that was not last year. No. Okay. So a couple. Fort Lauderdale ago. actually was was, was one it? of those. No, okay. no, no. That was um that was in Florida. That was up near Crystal River. Okay. We we were in a houseboat. Okay, houseboat. in Florida, right. and that was in January of last year. Before well, I just I find it so cool that you can just like you grab your laptop, you grab you know whatever luggage you need, and you're just you're off. And yeah. that's the way why you guys like to live your lives. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I can work just as well wherever else I am, as long as there's Wi-Fi. So when I'm setting my Airbnb criteria, you know, it's always uh, two people, one bedroom. So Mark can go to bed while I'm still working and then a, uh, a, a Wi-Fi connection. Anything else is irrelevant. So let's, let's talk for a minute. Uh, you are th of the LMBPN team. You're the closest to Michael. So you are what, a couple hours away from Las Vegas? A few hours away? About an hour away? and a half. Okay. All right. So I'll be talking to you and it's like, well, I had lunch with Michael the other day or yesterday or today. And it's like- Or I'm having lunch with Michael or I'm having dinner with Michael. <laughs> yes. Because, because for the rest of us, it's a big deal to get to Las Vegas. For you, it's you just, even if you're not having lunch or dinner with uh, Michael and his wife, you're just popping down to Las Vegas just for the heck of it. Oh, yeah. No, we want to go to Ikea. We want to go to Whole Foods. That's where it is. I live in a small town, small being defined as 20,000 people serving, serving an area with about 40,000 people. Um, and we have a Walmart, but that's about as high class as we get. So if we want to go for something, a real store, oh, we do have a Home Depot. Um, if we want to go to a real store defined as something that's a major national brand, uh, we, we have to go to Vegas or Phoenix, but Phoenix is farther away. So yeah, we just, sometimes it's like, oh, I want to go um, to Ikea. Let's go up to Vegas. Uh, you have to understand, I was, I was born in LA. And so we would go, you know, an hour and a half, two hours through traffic 
not because it's the mileage, it was the time, mm-hmm. to get a good dinner or to get the right ice cream or whatever. So getting in the car and going somewhere. My doctor here is in Flagstaff. That's two hours away. As It's 150 miles, but that's irrelevant. It's two hours away, which again could be when I took my grandmother in San Diego to the doctor, it was two hours away. It was only 20 miles, mind you. Yeah, different world where you're at now. So we'll have people listening to this and watching this who are authors and wondering, how do I get an editor like Lynn? So your book, by the way, you know, if you're thinking about Lynn, she's busy right now. (laughs) But um, how do, how would you recommend that, that authors who are looking for editors find those editors? I really wish I knew because I find mine catches catch can. My best, uh, my best suggestion is to talk to, uh, edit- to authors who are happy with their editors, and then their editors often know other editors. I'm very insulated here at LMBPN, so I don't often know other editors. But somehow your, your author friends or your authors that you know in Facebook groups or whatever will know um, other editors and they can suggest them to you. Uh, Upwork also has editors on it. However, I caution you, editors can have their own ideas. I, my, my idea of a good editor is someone who makes your work shine and the, the operative word there is your work. Uh, you want to be you what your editor to preserve your voice, to go out of their way, to make it sound like you, not them. So be very careful that the person isn't dictating what you should sound like. And from an author perspective, what should they expect when dealing with an editor? What, how would you advise people to deal with an editor? I know for some people, it's like when you're looking for an editor, there's this process of, well, I'll edit the first few chapters of the first 5,000 words or 10,000 words or whatever, send it to me and I'll send it back. That doesn't really give, gives you a little bit of a sense of, of what it would be like to work with them. But when you're working with someone over the course of a 20 book series or something like that, you know, you're developing a real relationship. So how should the authors go about their business with, with an editor as if they want to develop that kind of a relationship? Both sides are going to have to compromise a little. Um, Michael just told me the story again last night where, you know, when he first got the book back from me, he went through it and he went, okay, 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 yeah, okay, okay, no. (laughs) You know, and so, but there were a lot more okay, okays than there were no's. And so we talked about the no's and we got to a a, uh, relationship where at this point he never even sees his books back. um, He just hands them to me and says, get this done. (laughs) He is somewhat famous for that, the idea of when I'm done with the book, I'm done with the book. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, uh, so, so I've been lucky enough to earn his trust in that respect. And, and so, and I'm honored by that, honestly, because that's his baby. That is his work. It's his voice. It's his representation to the world. So I, I hope you all find an editor that you can work that way with that, that you too can build that trust. But that's, that's one way that you work with authors. I saw a lengthy chat. I almost had a heart attack this morning when I logged into Slack and I saw the number of messages that were there, but it was because I was included in a chat that you were having with an author where he had some very specific questions and you were offering very specific, almost training level type advice. 
Dele- developmental so a- editing. Yes, this particular author. Oh yeah, I know which chat you're talking about. Took place about two in the morning. That author is in Bali, so um, that's why it was d- take at that hour. Um, he is on his second book. His first. I'm not actually his editing his book. One of my adjuncts, Courtney, is, uh, and then I review them before they go to publication. But he had some very specific questions about passive voice using passive voice, and so we were working through a couple of. Uh, uh, well, a couple of sentences. And he said, well, I can get this back to you in seven or eight days, or I can go through and remove all the passive voice. And I said, dude, it's you or me, you know, so I really recommend you do this, because you're going to learn a lot more by doing it than having me do it for you. And he goes, well, okay, so then he came back to me a couple of hours later. And he said, I have this, this, this paragraph, and I can't figure out if this is passive voice or not. Um, uh, He uh, so it, it was his idea too. Well, yes, that is passive voice. So we, we went through a thing and I told him how to recognize passive voice. Then he still, after he made it not passive voice, um, he put in too many words. So then we went through a, do these advance the plot? Just little things like that. That's what you were seeing. Yeah. And I think that's one of the real values with finding an editor that you can work with because I mean, unless you have, you have this vast experience where you know that everything you're doing is correct. Working with someone who can offer correction and advice is a great learning tool. So you're, you're kind of getting a two for one. You're, you're improving your writing by working with an editor and you get your book edited. That, yeah. It depends on what you want. I've also had another author, frankly, tell me, I'm just going to spin the story out there. You fix the rest. So, um, and again, that's a kind of trust that, 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 that was flattering, but, um, when you're trying to turn a book around in two days, that's not necessarily what you're looking yeah, for. It's not ideal. Yes. No. So you as an author definitely want to, my advice is to put your book down after you think you finished it and then go back a number of days later using a, a, either a tool like Smart Edit or ProWriter or even Grammarly to make another pass through it. Grammar, I say even Grammarly because Grammarly is one of those arrogant editors that thinks it's right all the time, and uh, it's not. So you have to be very judicious with it and reject a number of its suggestions. But Pro Writing Aid uh, and Smart Edit, Smart Edit tells you about repetition. Pro Writing Aid tells you about passive voice. I'm smart at it may too. I don't use it that much. But anyway, use a tool if you can or if you can recognize it yourself, just go through it. Make another pass before you hand it to your editor because the less your editor is slashing down the underbrush to get to the trees, the more they're going to see and they'll be able to polish your story. All right. Let's finish with one last question. And that is, what's it like to edit the book that your husband has written? Oh, my God. Um, you have to understand that my husband and I both work in the same office in air quotes, which is our living room. So he's on one couch and I'm on the other. The dogs are snoring in between us. Uh, and when I'm editing his book, if I make the mistake of laughing at something, he says, what, what, what are you laughing at? Or if I go, Mark, um, he'll say, I didn't do it. <laughs> so, um, I try to edit his books when he's out of the room. Let's put it that way. He and I have very definite disagreements with semicolons and colons. And I say, that's fine. But I and the laws of grammar say blah. And so we, but we get along. So Who gets the um, final say? 
He does. It's his book. Okay. All right. It, I, that's the bottom line. It's not my work. So I'm Even there to help him husband. shine just like I am my other authors. All right. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for being here. I, I think it's great for everybody to get to know you a little bit more because I think everybody knows who you are from, from Facebook and God just seeing us. your name in all of those books. Um, but you'll see on the dedications page a list of sometimes beta readers, often JIT readers, and then it's either a specific editor or the Sky Hunter editing team. So now you all know what that team is. That's us. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back again soon. And thanks, Thank Liz, you. for being here. <laughs>